This morning, I'd like us to consider the question, so you think you can serve? Often when I think about serving, the first images that come to mind are similar to the outreach opportunities that we've been participating in over the last few weeks. Collecting school supplies for our neighborhood children, gathering bedding to assist, those home, to assist the homeless transitioning to having shelter, or donating food for the hungry. And while there is no doubt that we are called to serve our neighbor in these ways, today I'd like to consider for a bit, a little bit further, and try to widen our view in regards to what it means to love God, ourselves, and our neighbors, and to be of service to all three. Recently I was reading the book, a chapter on service in the book, Live the Life You've Always Wanted, Spiritual Disciplines for Ordinary People. It's the book that many at Resurrection are reading right now, and they're also participating in our class on Wednesdays with Reverend Kristen. And there's a great part in that chapter that discusses Jesus' mission on earth. It considers how Jesus wasn't sent here to serve by God, but rather that God is the ultimate servant and that Jesus was the embodiment of the divine. One of my favorite quotes in that chapter is, when Jesus came in the form of a servant, he was not disguising who God is. He is revealing who God is. And one of the things I love most about the Bible are all the stories. So in keeping with that tradition today, I'd like to share with you three stories that over the last two weeks, I haven't been able to keep from my mind. The first one is one of my favorite ways to serve as God's voice in our world is to wear our Love Thy Neighbor t-shirts. With all the fearful and negative messages that many in our society receive about, the LGB about LGBTQ people, it's a powerful way to send a message of love and inclusion in the midst of fear and discrimination. On the mornings I decide to wear the shirt, I consciously make the decision to serve as a voice of God's love for the day. Even though I know I should realize that I'm always called to that task, I sometimes forget. And that shirt for me, it's a physical reminder that I am a child of God and that everyone I interact with during the day are my sisters and brothers. They are just a few of the neighbors that God has called me to serve. And so when I put it on in the morning, I actually get excited. It helps me bring, it helps bring me to a place of being present and open. It encourages me to look forward to the day. I get excited thinking about who I'm going to meet, what conversations are going to occur, and how I might have an opportunity in some small way to contribute to the healing of the world. And it's wonderful because people will take the time to read the whole back, you know, since all the text is on the back, they can read it in safety without you knowing that they're checking you out. <laughs> and nearly every time I wear this shirt in public, well, people will stop me and comment about it. Often they're quiet whispers said by someone behind me in the grocery store line. They'll tap my shoulder and whisper in my ear, I like your shirt. And other times, they're not so subtle. Uh, Friday ago, Darren and I were at a restaurant for lunch with his parents. It was Friday at lunch, so there was a big business crowd there. 
And let me pause just for a moment to explain that I have a very particular way that I like to sit at restaurants. <clears throat> and for those that know me, they know that I have a lot of particular ways. <laughs> but regarding sitting at restaurants, I always prefer to sit where I have the best view of the majority of the restaurant. I love watching people share a meal, engage in conversation, and live their lives. So back to the story. As the hostess was watching, walking us to an empty table in the corner of the restaurant, I noticed a young gentleman having lunch with two friends. He was speaking loudly enough that I could hear his voice and looking at his mannerisms. They were such that I thought, he might be gay. <laughs> so I approached the empty table in the corner of the restaurant before Darren or his parents had the opportunity to pick a seat. And as I was conscious of the shirt I was wearing, I chose to sit in the seat that looked directly into the very corner of the restaurant, the seat with no view, simply because that my back would be faced directly to where he was sitting in the restaurant. And I hoped he would randomly notice, maybe my shirt would catch his eyes, and I hoped that he might have a chance to read the back. If he was gay, I wanted to send him a message of God's love from across the restaurant without saying a word kind of like that still, small voice that Elijah encountered. Well, we enjoyed the meal with Darren's parents and paid the bill, boxed up our leftovers, and we were just enjoying chatting about the messages and the fortune cookies. And just as we were about to leave, our waiter came up to me and said, excuse me, sir, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I have an unusual request for you. Would you please stand up so the gentleman across the way can read the bottom half of your shirt? <laughs> And I said, oh, that's no problem at all. Actually, that's not that strange of a request. <laughs> um, I stood up without turning around and continued looking at that corner of the restaurant. And after a few moments, I heard the gentleman loudly exclaim from his seat, I love that shirt. Where did you get it? I want one. <laughs> so of course, I was really excited. And I turned around, and I smiled. And I said, we made them at our church. And in what sounded like disbelief, he said, what church do you go to? <laughs> so I walked over to where they were sitting. I introduced myself and said, I go to Resurrection Metropolitan Community Church. It's near the Heights. We have about 500 folks attend on Sundays, and most of them identify as transgender, lesbian, gay, bisexual, or queer. You should check us out one Sunday at 9 or 11 and pick up a shirt. We have them in our bookstore. He asked for my business card, and I gave it to him, and then I motioned for Darren to come over. He introduced himself, and we chatted for a bit and laughed and carried on. And then as we were saying our goodbyes, I noticed a gold cross hanging around his neck. I hadn't noticed that from across the restaurant earlier, but I received that as a little loving message from God. I did send help. I sent you. I met Lieutenant Dan Choi last summer at MCC General Conference in Acapulco. As a church staff member, we don't vote in with our clergy and lay delegates at the business meeting, so I was sitting near the very back of the room, just listening to the inner workings of the denomination. And Dan came in and sat down directly behind me, also just listening in. I was so excited to have an opportunity to talk to him without a crowd of people around, so I tried to casually strike up some very quiet conversation. And he told me about coming out on the Rachel Maddow Show in March of 2009. 
Joining us now is Dan Choi. He's a founding member of the Knights Out organization. He's a graduate of West Point, and he's an Iraq combat veteran. Lieutenant Choi, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Wonderful to be here. I love your show, Rachel. Thank you. That's nice of you to say. Um, now, Dan, I understand that you are an infantry pl platoon leader with the New York National Guard now. By founding this organization, that means you are violating the don't tell part of don't ask, don't tell. Are, are you worried you could lose your job? That's right. Uh, I am an infantry platoon leader in the New York Army National Guard. And by saying three words to you today, I am gay, those three words are a violation of Title X of the U.S. Code. It's a code that's polluted by the people who want us to lie. And basically, they want us to lie about our identity. And it's an immoral code. And it goes up against every single thing that we were taught at West Point with our honor code. The honor code says that a cadet will not lie, cheat, steal. In June of 2009, a military panel recommended that he should be discharged from the military. And they formalized the discharge in June of 2010. Dan was just one of 59 Arab linguists that were discharged under Don't Ask, Don't Tell between 2004 and 2009. And as I kept thinking back to Dan over the last couple of weeks, I realized that he didn't let our government decide if he could serve. He continued to serve his country, just in a different way. He continued to serve by speaking publicly about the policy on TV, in print media and at conferences, including our general conference in Acapulco. He even took his service to the White House, where he, along with 10 others, handcuffed themselves to the fence on the North Lawn. They chanted, I am somebody, before they were arrested. He was now serving for the equality of his fellow service members who were forced to serve in silence. And even when he wasn't allowed to protect the freedom of our nation as part of the military, he did continue to fight for freedom, the freedom of our lesbian, gay, and bisexual service members to serve the country they loved. And so I'd like to take a moment today to honor all those who have served our country, those who have served in silence, and those who have spoke out for equality, those who were harassed, abused, and discharged for speaking the truth about love those who talked about the issue with their neighbors, their family, their friends, those who attended marches and rallies and signed petitions. We have all of you to thank for all the ways that you served God, your neighbor, and our nation. All of this. All of this made what happened last Wednesday possible. On September 20th, 2011, the course of history was changed. The arc of the moral universe bent a bit more towards justice. And after 17 years, the discriminatory don't ask, don't tell policy was repealed. I did send help. I sent you. Now, before I get to my final story, I'd like to mention something that I occasionally hear from folks. Some say that I am too political. And that always makes me giggle a little inside because I really don't care about politics at all. And what I do care about is you.
When our government creates laws that restrict our ability to express the sexual freedom that God has gifted us with, then the very act of me making love to my husband has been turned into a political act. It was less than 10 years ago in Texas that our sodomy, sodomy laws made me a criminal, and many of you too, every time we made love with someone of the same gender. When it's legal to fire someone over real or perceived sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression, then the very act of working, even in silence, becomes a quiet act of political resistance. So maybe that means I am political, but it's certainly not because I want to be. It's directly caused by our government who has made our lives, our bodies, our love political. If our nation simply treated its citizens fairly and with equality, with liberty and justice for all, then we wouldn't need to be standing on the corner of the street or passing petitions around on Facebook. But until that day arrives, I will stand out there with you, speaking out for the beauty of God's diverse creation. We will stand in honor of those whose voices are silenced. We will stand in memory of kids like Asher Brown who kill themselves because we haven't been able to effectively protect them from bullying. We will stand because our transgender sisters and brothers still cannot serve openly in the military. And we will stand because we love God, we love ourselves, and we love our neighbors. Okay, my last story now. I met Carlos Rivera shortly after Darren and I started attending Resurrection MCC. He always had a huge smile and never met a stranger. Whenever he would see me, he would immediately stop what he was doing, come over to me, say, how you doing? And give me a huge bear hug like only he could. Thinking back as I imagine it, it was the embrace of God, big, warm, loving, all-encompassing. Nearly every Sunday, he attended both services, and whether he was preparing the communion table or teaching our kids, emceeing our bingo night, or just being present, available, and willing to take care of any last-minute detail, he was there. And I found that same incredible smile and bear hug waiting for me when I was out at a community event. I would see him performing in drag, singing at a fundraiser, or emceeing an event for charity. Over the years, Carlos helped raise thousands of dollars for organizations in our community, including PWA Holiday Charities, Hatch, and a cause very dear to his heart, our food pantry. Carlos was always the life of the party, always making people laugh. He truly embodied what it meant to live with a sense of fullness and with joy. While working for a biotech firm and going to school to obtain his PhD, and once he received it, they called him Dr. Poppy, he served on the triad for the Houston area Bears. It was primarily a social group, but they also participate in charitable events that support our community throughout the year. And last fall, Carlos started encouraging Darren and I to join the group. We thought that if it was something he was passionate about, then we definitely wanted to check it out. So in November, we became members of the group and began meeting others outside our walls that had the same fondness for him. Tragically, on New Year's Eve last year, he died unexpectedly. He was only 33. 
Resurrection held the funeral service and over 500 came. As I listened to the stories that his friends, families, coworkers shared, I felt overjoyed when I heard that the love and the laughter and the presence and the hugs that he shared with me were the experience of everyone. At the funeral, a number of those that were part of Resurrection, the Bear community, and were friends with Carlos began to connect. And throughout this year, the group has grown. At this service now at 11 o'clock, there's a, full, a pew full of bears that are sitting in the back of the sanctuary right now. And his short life touched so many of us in ways that are just profound. Every Sunday at 11, every time I see that row full of bears, I see Carlos smiling down from heaven and probably saying, how you doing? <laughs> but in the short time that I knew him, he taught me what it means to serve from fullness. He showed me what it looks like to be present and available, and he demonstrated how service could not only be joyful, but incredibly, awesomely fun. I did send help. I sent you. It is my prayer that you will continue to consider how we may serve together to bring God's healing to the world, how we may be Christ's hands and feet on earth, that we may recognize when our neighbor is in need and share our blessings. Please join me in this affirmation, and may it be so. God did send help. God sent us. One more time. God did send help. God sent us, and last time, please. God did send help. God sent us, amen.